Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man is destined to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to the cross, and on the third day he will rise again. Yes, he will rise again. In fact, he has risen. Would you say it with me? He has risen, he has risen indeed. Today as we gather together, though separated, we are united. United in his love for us. Yes, Easter is a celebration of his love for us and his life that he's given us. So if you're gathered in CLT or in the USA or around this world, I want to welcome you to Easter Sunday morning, a celebration of life and love. And if there wasn't a time in human history, this is the time that we all need to celebrate life as we are surrounded by death and disease. But just like you, I find myself struggling to find a reason to celebrate as we face a daily dose of worry, confusion, grief, sadness, and anxiety. Just like you, I find myself wondering, where is God in all of this? Why is he allowing this disease to affect us? What will happen to my family, my life, my hopes and dreams? How long will this last? And just like you, I'm here this Easter Sunday, a day that changed the human story. And in fact, has the power to change your story and my story. But there are some things that God wants us to do. He wants us to know this Easter morning. The first one is that God wants us to reach out for his presence. Luke 24, later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus a journey about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. And they were unaware it was Jesus walking alongside them. This is the human experience, isn't it? As we're walking through life, times of difficulty and confusion, we're unaware that God is with us. He doesn't make it easy though, does he? He doesn't make it easy. We are unable to see him, but then in the middle of those times, he's calling us to reach out to him. It's in times like this, in the times that we're living in right now, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our confusion, God is wanting us to reach out for his presence. Let's read the rest of the story. While they were still discussing all of this, Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes. Startled and terrified, the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Standing there among them, he said, Be at peace. I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts. For I am. 
Come and gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves, it is I standing here alive. Touch me and know that my wounds are real. See that I have a body of flesh and bone. He showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. Then he said to them, Everything that has happened fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ, the Messiah, was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins, so they will turn to me. Have you noticed in the time we've been told to socially distance ourselves from each other? We've actually connected with more people. We've had more conversations, more interactions. Why is that? Because there's something inside of us, inside the human spirit that wants to connect, reach out, and feel someone else's presence. And this Easter morning, God wants to let you know that the peace you're looking for is found in His presence. The essence of His presence is, in fact, peace. And so today, God wants you to reach out for His presence because your peace is found there. How do you do that? You can find creative ways to do that. You're doing it right now. But let's find other ways throughout our days, throughout this week, to press in, to move towards, and to really reach out for His presence more than anyone else's. Secondly, we need to rely on his power. I recently got a gift from Neil, a guy who's been going to Mosaic. He's actually deaf, but he is hilarious. In fact, his humor is infectious and he's a contagious personality. He gave me a t-shirt. Uh, he actually made this shirt. He took a quote that I had said one Sunday and he made a t-shirt out of it. Let me show this to you. Look at this shirt. It says, I am a Christian, not a terrorist. In the back, it says, designed by your number one fan from church. Yes, he's my number one fan. And it is true that my story is a little complicated. You see, I grew up in the Middle East as a Muslim. And then Jesus showed up in my life supernaturally and changed the course of my life. I've always known God to be unnatural, to be, in fact, supernatural. And what this world needs right now in these unnatural times is a supernatural God. There's no way that our wisdom and our power and our strength is going to allow us to go through this. No, what we need is God's power. We need a supernatural power, not an ordinary power, an extraordinary power. Because these are unnatural times and we need a supernatural God. I remember once at church, someone left me a note and it was so special to me because I was going through a very hard time in my life, a time of confusion and despair. And the note just simply said, Isaiah 43. Let me read it to you. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not be drowned. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. And the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What is God reminding us here? That He is like no other God. 
and his strength and his power is accessible to us and his commitment to us is relentless and so is his power. And so what does he want us to do? He wants to rely on his power. Friends, let me remind you again, in these unnatural times, we need a supernatural God. And lastly, God wants us to remember his promise. And God's promise is, in fact, best illustrated by the life of Neil. Another Neil, not the contagious, hilarious comedian. No, Neil, a Jewish man that I met just recently. Let's watch his story. I have no idea what that means. I was born in 1959 uh, to a Jewish family. Uh, I learned to read Hebrew, but I never understood it. I always thought about something, something was missing. And, and I rebelled probably when I was 16 or 17 because nobody could give me an answer. At 18, I ran away. Uh, I didn't run away, I left. And I, I met a girl and uh, we got married eventually. During that, that period of time, I was a DJ. I became very popular. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't use that well. I, I took very much advantage of it. I was young and, and just, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was fun while it was going on. But looking back, um, it really wasn't, it really wasn't. So Maria and I met in 1997. She was beautiful. She was, she was loving to me. She, she made her click. She was just fun. And we were living a good life. We, uh, you know, the, I remember when, um, the day she asked me to marry her. So I said to her, you know, I said, that's fine, but I don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. No, don't bring Jesus into our marriage, right? And she, she agreed to that, she agreed to that. She had different ideas, but, you know. So I was working second shift at that time, and um, I would get home at like one, two o'clock in the morning, and she'd be sleeping, and just, she would lay, she would put tracks all over the, uh, the house. You know, after a little while, I started looking at them and got curious, and, um, and I would read them and, uh, and ask questions. Jesus, tell me about him. When uh, she introduced me to a friend of hers and uh, later found out, she, you know, he was an elder in the church that she was going to. And I started learning the Bible instead of memorizing it, you know? Our marriage was really good while we were going to church. Once we stopped, things started falling off. There was drugs involved, alcohol, so she said, let's go to New York City and we'll clean up our act, we'll start going back to church. And so we, uh, we moved to New York City. To be honest with you, it, was, it, it wasn't too good in the beginning. We were, we were homeless for a little while, living uh, on park benches, living on the trains. And it was just, uh, it was just a mess. I was hustling on, on the trains and to get money. And uh, we would stay in hotels and when we could, you know, when I made enough money. And, the truth is, the first of the money always went to drugs. And uh, it just got worse going to New York City. I got tired. So in 2009, I got clean. 
In 2010, she, she got clean. We started to save some money and, and, uh, and we moved to Brooklyn. During that move on, the, on Friday, she, uh, she said she wasn't feeling good. So she said she just wanted to lay down and rest. Saturday I came back and it was a little bit worse, but she was just, she just wanted to, you know, just stay in the house. So on Monday uh, in the morning, I was working the first shift. So at about 5.30, 6 o'clock, I gave her a kiss goodbye and went to work. At about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I get a phone call that she was dead. Um, I didn't take it well. Um, I just lost my best friend. I lost my love of my life. I didn't go back to drugs, which was, I can't see how I did that. <laughs> you know, I really don't know how I did that. But um, I started eating. I started eating to, to take away the pain. And I'm paying for that today even. And every week, my daughter would call me, Dad, I don't want you in New York City alone. Come down to, to stay with me in Charlotte. So after about a year of hearing her once a week, I'm like, all right, fine. You know, so, I, so I moved down here. I was here for about a year, um, and I eventually got a job. It was a minim minimal job, you know, um, but I was glad I was working. So I finally made enough money to buy a car. It had serious radio on it. And uh, um, for about a year or two, I was, uh, I had found Joe Olstein radio and I was listening to that. After about two years, I finally got the point that every, every time he ends a, a sermon, he, he was like, find a Bible-based church, you know. Um, I started going from church to church to see what fits. For about six months, we're going from church to church. And then one day we, we ended up here at Mosaic. So Mosaic was great, you know, and Naeem, he makes the Bible come to life. In the middle of the teaching, feeling came over me. It, 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 I just can't explain it. You know, some people call it the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But that same feeling like this is the place for me. Where I am today. There is nobody that I wouldn't tell that uh, that I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ. I'm so proud of it, especially after I got baptized. That feeling that came over me, that I just wanted to shout it to the world. You know, this is the way to go. And uh, and trying to live, I'm not perfect, but trying to live Christ-like is um, sometimes hard for me. But uh, I'm, I'm giving it all I got. I'm, I really am, I'm giving it all I got, and, and sometimes I fall short, but um, I just get back up and, and keep, keep it moving. I believe God's been in my life for a long time, and um, you know, there was plenty of times during, during my younger days that, uh, that I look back now, I should have been dead. I should have been dead, no doubt about it. I was stuck between a train by, the, by my head um, while it was moving. And I came out of that with 14 stitches. I should have been dead. I was sticking needles in my arm for, for years. I should have been dead. When I was younger, I had hepatitis. And I was a day away from getting a liver transplant. And if it didn't come in time, I was dead. And to the next day, the medication that they were giving me worked. 
But the doctor came to me and said, you know, if we don't get a liver within two or three days, you're going to die. And then I didn't have to get a transplant. Um, I'm healthy and whole today. And I have no doubt, without God, I wouldn't have been able to survive. My belief is God has something in store for me. He saved me all those times. And uh, that's what I believe in. That's what, that's what keeps me going. I don't know about you, but Neil's story reminds me of God's love for us. His promises are to us, but he is relentless when it comes to his commitment to us. That regardless of our past or our present, his love will make a way for us. His love is truly relentless. There's an apostle, his name is Paul, and he writes a passage that has changed the course of my life. It's in Romans chapter 8. Let me read this to you. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His destined purpose. So what does this all mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved His love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for all, he certainly wouldn't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then could dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over us, not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death. And now is risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he's continually praised for our triumph? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has a power to diminish His love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and Heaven's love. What about persecutions, dangers, and death threats? No, they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Yet even in the midst of all of these things, we triumph over all of them. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and demonstrated love, His glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can ever weaken His love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that can ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which He lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Isn't that passage of Scripture so powerful? 
It is. It reminds us of the depth of God's love for us. That no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, God's love for us is consistent, is constant. And you and I, friends, you and I, this morning need to remember God's promise to us. So where are you this Easter Sunday? Are you in the midst of your crisis, in the midst of your despair? Do you, what do you need to do? What do I need to do? I know for me, I need to. I need to reach out for his presence, rely on his power. I need to remember his promise. And I believe you have to do the same. For some of you, you've never really reached out to him. You don't know his presence. And friends, I gotta tell you that this is the morning for you. This is for you. This moment is for you. For you to step out and reach out to him. And so I wanna pray for you. For others of you, you're lost in despair. You don't know what's going on. You're trying to control your life. But this Easter morning, God wants you to know that his power, his power is made perfect in your weakness, friends. And for some of us, what we need to do is just remember, remember that he's still with us. So can I pray with you? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. God, I thank you for a day like this, a day that reminds us of your presence, of your power, your promise. God, I thank you that, God, in the midst of our confusion, our despair, some of us are losing control, but in the middle of that, God, you are the God who's still in control. You're the God who's committed to us. You're the God who's going to see us through. So, Father, I pray that we would recommit our lives to you, refocus our eyes and our hearts to you. And, God, for some of us, for the very first time right now, as we're listening to this, we're moved by you. You're calling us and we are wanting to respond to you. So God, I pray, I pray that we would have the courage for the very first time for some of us to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you everything. All that I am and all that I hope to be. Would you take me? Would you use me? Would you forgive me and fill me with your presence? God, I thank you that you have sent your son on the cross to die. And this Sunday, a, an Easter Sunday, reminds us of the promises you have for us, that when we give our lives to you, you change us. You make us new creatures in you. We are born again. God, I thank you right now that there are people who are having that experience right in this moment right now as they commit their lives to you. In Jesus' name.